chapter eighty one of the adventures of peregrine pickle volume two by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighty one the memoirs of a lady of quality part seventeen my lover being obliged to go to england had settled me in a genteel house in paris with a view of returning when his affairs should be adjusted but when the time of his departure approached he began to be uneasy at the prospect of separation and in order to alleviate his anxiety desired me to accompany him to calais where we stayed together three or four days during which the dread of parting became more and more intense so that we determined upon my following him into england at the first opportunity where i should live altogether incog that i might be concealed from the inquiries and attempts of my lord even after this resolution was fixed we parted with all the agonies of lovers who despair of ever meeting again and the wind blowing very high after he had embarked increased my fears but by the return of the packet-boat i was blessed with the report of his being safe arrived in england and had the satisfaction of perusing his letters by every post my admirer being thus detached from me my thoughts were entirely employed in concerting some private method of conveying myself to him as i would not trust myself in the common packet for fear of being discovered after having revolved divers schemes i determined to transport myself in one of the dutch fishing-boats though i knew the passage would be hazardous but in a case of such interesting concern i overlooked all danger and inconvenience before i put this resolution in practice i was so fortunate as to hear of a small english vessel that arrived in calais with a prisoner of war in which i embarked with my companion and another lady who lived with me for some time afterwards and when we came on board discovered that the ship was no other than a light collier and that her whole company amounted to no more than three men nevertheless though the sea was so rough and the weather so unpromising that no other boat would venture to put to sea we set sail and between two storms in about three hours arrived in safety in dover from hence my first companion went to her friends in the stage-coach while the other lady and i hired an open post-chaise though it snowed very hard and without any accident performed our journey to london where i met with my lover who flew to my arms in all the transports of impatient joy and doubtless i deserved his affection for the hardships perils and difficulties i had undergone to be with him for i never scrupled to undertake anything practicable in order to demonstrate the sincerity of what i professed in consequence of our plan i assumed a fictitious name and never appeared in public being fully satisfied and happy in the company and conversation of the man i loved and when he went into the country contented myself with his correspondence which he punctually maintained in a series of letters equally sensible sincere and affectionate upon his return to town for the remainder of the season he devoted the greatest part of his time to our mutual enjoyment left me with reluctance when he was called away by indispensable business and the civility which was due to his acquaintance and very seldom went to any place of public entertainment because i could not accompany and share with him in the diversion nay so much did i engross his attention that one evening after he had been teased into an agreement of meeting some friends at a play he went thither precisely at the appointed hour and as they did not arrive punctually at the very minute 
he returned to me immediately as much rejoiced at his escape as if he had met with some signal deliverance nor was his constancy inferior to the ardour of his love we went once together to a ball in the haymarket where in the midst of a thousand fine women whose charms were enhanced by the peculiarity of the dresses they wore he remained unshaken unseduced preserving his attachment for me in spite of all temptation in the summer he provided me with a house in the neighbourhood of his own but the accommodations being bad and that country affording no other place fit for my residence he brought me home to his own seat and by that step raised such a universal clamour though i saw no company and led such a solitary life that nothing but excessive love could have supported my spirits not but that he gave me as much of his time as he could possibly spare from the necessary duties of paying and receiving visits together with the avocations of hunting and other country amusements which i could not partake formerly indeed i used to hunt and shoot but i had left off both so that i was now reduced to the alternative of reading and walking by myself but love made up for all deficiencies to me who think nothing else worth the living for had i been blessed with a partner for life who could have loved sincerely and inspired me with a mutual flame i would have asked no more of fate interest and ambition have no share in my composition love which is pleasure or pleasure which is love makes up the whole a heart so disposed cannot be devoid of other good qualities it must be subject to the impressions of humanity and benevolence and enemy to nothing but itself this you will give me leave to affirm in justice to myself as i have frankly owned my failings and misconduct towards the end of summer my heart was a little alarmed by a report that prevailed of my lovers being actually engaged in a treaty of marriage however i gave little credit to this rumour till i was obliged to go to town about business and there i heard the same information confidently affirmed though i still considered it as a vague surmise i wrote to him an account of what i had heard and in his answer which is still in my possession he assured me with repeated vows and protestations that the report was altogether false satisfied with this declaration i returned to his house and though the tale was incessantly thundered in my ears still believed it void of all foundation till my suspicion was awakened by a very inconsiderable circumstance one day on his return from hunting i perceived he had a very fine pair of dresden ruffles on his shirt which i could not suppose he would wear at such a rustic exercise and therefore my fears took the alarm when i questioned him about this particular of his dress his colour changed and though he attempted to elude my suspicion by imputing it to a mistake of his servant i could not rest satisfied with this account of the matter but inquired into the truth with such eagerness and penetration that he could not deny he had been to make a visit by degrees i even extorted from him a confession that he had engaged himself further than he ought to have proceeded without making me acquainted with his design though he endeavoured to excuse his conduct and pacify my displeasure by saying that the affair would not be brought to bear for a great while and perhaps might never come to a determination but he was in great confusion and indeed hardly knew what he said i would have quitted his house that moment had not he beforehand obtained a promise that i would take no rash resolution of that kind and put it out of my power to procure any method of conveyance by which i could make my retreat i gave no vent to reproaches but only upbraided him with his having permitted me to return in ignorance to the country after i was once fairly gone 
upon which he swore that he could not bear the thoughts of parting with me this declaration was a mystery at that time but i have been since so fully satisfied of his reasons for his conduct that i heartily acquit him of all injustice to me and indeed it is my sincere opinion that if ever young man deserved to be happy he is certainly entitled to that privilege and if i may be allowed to judge has a heart susceptible of the most refined enjoyment the violence of the grief and consternation which i suffered from this stroke having a little subsided i deliberated with myself about the measures i should take and determined to leave his house some day when he should be abroad i was encouraged in this resolution by the advice of our scotch friend who came about this time from london on a visit to his fellow-traveller we thought such an abrupt departure would be less shocking than to stay and take a formal leave of my lover whose heart was of such a delicate frame that after i told him i should one day withdraw myself in his absence he never came home from the chase or any other avocation without trembling with apprehension that i had escaped after he had been some time accustomed to these fears by my previous intimation i at length decamped in good earnest though my heart ached upon the occasion because i left him loving and beloved for his affection was evident notwithstanding the step he had taken by the advice and importunity of all his relations who laid a disagreeable restraint upon his inclinations while they consulted his interest in every other particular while i halted in the next great town until i could be supplied with fresh horses i was visited by a gentleman who had been formerly intimate with my lover but a breach had happened in their friendship and he now came to complain of the treatment he had received perceiving that i was not in a humour to listen to his story he shifted the conversation to my own and observed that i had been extremely ill-used i told him that i was of a different opinion that it was not only just but expedient that a young man of mr s fortune should think of making some alliance to strengthen and support the interest of his family and that i had nothing to accuse him of but his letting me remain so long in ignorance of his intention he then gave me to understand that i was still ignorant of a great part of the ill usage i had received affirming that while i lived in his house he had amused himself with all the common women in that town to some of whom this gentleman had personally introduced him at first i could not believe this imputation but he supported his assertion with so many convincing circumstances that i could no longer doubt the truth of them and i felt so much resentment that my love vanished immediately into air instead of proceeding on my journey to london i went back a considerable way and sent a message desiring to see him in a little house about midway between his own habitation and the town from whence i came he obeyed my summons and appeared at the place appointed where i reproached him with great bitterness he pleaded guilty to the charge so far as acknowledging that he had corresponded with other women lately in order to get the better of his affection for me but the experiment had failed and he found that he should be for ever miserable i did not look upon this candid confession as a sufficient atonement for his past dissimulation and in the sharpness of my revenge demanded a settlement which he peremptorily refused so that for the present we held each other in the utmost contempt indeed i afterwards despised myself for my condescension which was owing to the advice of my companion supported and inflamed by the spirit of resentment nevertheless he begged that i would return to his house or stay all night where i was but i was deaf to his entreaties and after a great deal of ironical civility on my side i took my leave and went away yet before i set out i looked back and saw him on horseback with such an air 
of simplicity and truth as called up a profound sigh notwithstanding all that had passed in our conversation upon my arrival in london i took lodgings in leicester fields and answered a letter which i had some months before received from my lord telling him that i would go home to him without stipulating for any terms to try what effect my confidence would have upon his generosity he readily embraced the offer and took a house in st james's street where i proposed to comply with his humour in everything that was consistent with my own peace and tranquillity meanwhile my lover passed his time very disagreeably in the country with his friend of whom it seems he had conceived some jealousy which was increased by a letter i wrote to that gentleman till he was made acquainted with the contents which he read over forty times and then his passion breaking out with more violence than ever he not only expressed his feeling in an epistle which i immediately received but when he came to town suffered such agonies of despair as i had never seen before except in lord b it was then in my power to have taken ample revenge upon him as well as upon my insolent rival who had insisted upon my leaving his house in a very abrupt manner though he absolutely refused to gratify her malice for he was now disposed to do anything for my satisfaction but i knew his worth and had too much regard for his reputation to advise him to act inconsistent with his honour about this time many tender feelings and sorrowful partings happened between us till the marriage knot was tied when he sent me a bank-note for a thousand pounds by way of specimen as he called it of his friendship and of what he would do for me should i ever want his assistance this mark of his generosity i received in a most tender billet which i shall never part with together with his picture set in diamonds i now employed my thoughts in keeping measures with my lord we lay in the same apartment and for the first four or five months i neither dined nor supped abroad above twice and then he knew where i was and approved of my company but all this complacency and circumspection had no effect upon his temper which remained as capricious and dissatisfied as ever nay to such a provoking degree did this unhappy humour prevail that one day in the presence of his lawyer he ranged upon my misconduct since our last reunion and very freely affirmed that every step i had taken was diametrically opposite to his will conscious of the pains i had been at to please him i was so incensed at these unjust invectives that starting up i told him he was a little dirty fellow and would have left the house immediately had not his lawyer and others who were in the room interposed and by dint of argument and importunity diverted me from my purpose by the by i have been informed by a person of rank that my lord discovered exactly the same disposition in his father's lifetime and only changed the subject of his complaint from the word father to that of wife indeed he takes all opportunities of plaguing my dear parent as he has just sagacity enough to know that this is the most effectual way he can take to distress me after repeated trials i have given up all hopes of making him happy or of finding myself easy in my situation and live with him at present to avoid a greater inconvenience not that his ill-nature is all the grievance of which i complain exclusive of the personal disgust i entertain for him his folly is of that species which disobliges rather than diverts and his vanity and affectation altogether intolerable for he actually believes himself or at least would impose himself upon mankind as a pattern of gallantry and taste and in point of business a person of infinite sagacity and penetration but the most ridiculous part of his character is his pretended talent for politics in which he so deeply concerns himself that he has dismissed many a good servant because he suspected him of having wrong connections a theme upon which he has often quarrelled with me 
even almost to parting accusing me with holding correspondence with the earls of b and c and mr h v though i never had the least acquaintance with any of these gentlemen except the earl of c to whom i have not spoken these ten years past in short i have often been at a loss to know whether he was more mad and malicious in those fits of enthusiasm wherein he seemed transported with zeal for the commonwealth and tormented me with his admonitions out of all temper and patience at length however i contrived an expedient which freed me from these troublesome expostulations and silenced him effectually on the score of politics this was no other than an open avowal of being connected with all those people whom i have named indeed i knew him too well to believe there was anything solid in his intention or professions even when he carried himself so far as to demand a private audience of the k in order to communicate a scheme for suppressing the rebellion and that being denied solicited the duke of d s interest for permission to raise and head a regiment of kentish smugglers nay to such a pitch did his loyalty soar that he purchased a firelock of particular mechanism calculated for the safety of the bearer in case he had been placed sentinel at his majesty's door and kept his horses ready carapacent with a view of attending his sovereign to the field notwithstanding all these pompous preparations had he been put to the proof he would have infallibly crept out of his engagements through some sneaking evasion his imagination being very fertile in such saving pretences yet he will talk sometimes so fervently and even sensibly on the subject that a stranger would mistake him for a man of understanding and determined zeal for the good of his country since my last return to his house that act of parliament passed by which he was enabled to pay his debts and among the rest a thousand pounds of my contracting the only burden of that kind i ever entailed upon him exclusive of my pin money which was never regularly paid nor would he have been subject to this had he not by his persecution and pursuit exposed me to an extraordinary expense i have also had it in my power to reward some of my faithful abigails in particular to relieve from extreme distress that maid to whom as i have already observed lord b granted an annuity which she had sold so that she was reduced to the most abject poverty and i found her in a dismal hole with two infants perishing for one a spectacle which drew tears from my eyes and indeed could not but make deep impression upon a heart like mine which the misery of my fellow-creatures never failed to melt nor did i upon this occasion forget the attachment and fidelity of my other woman mrs s who hearing i was robbed in my passage through flanders had generously relinquished the allowance i had settled upon her at parting the exercise of such acts of humanity and benevolence and the pleasure of seeing my dear and tender parent often in some measure alleviate the chagrin to which i am subject from the disagreeable disposition of my lord who consistent with his former inconsistency upon our last reconciliation cheerfully agreed to a proposal i made of having concerts in the house and even approved of the scheme with marks of particular satisfaction but before one half of the winter was expired he found means to banish all the company beginning with lord r b who as he walked upstairs one evening was stopped by a footman who plainly told him he had orders to say to him in particular that his lordship was not at home yet the very next day perceiving that nobleman and me walking together in the park he joins us with an air of alacrity as if no such thing had happened and even behaved to lord r with the most fawning complaisance his deportment was equally absurd and impertinent to the rest of his friends who forsook us gradually being tired of maintaining any friendly communication with such a disagreeable composition of ignorance and arrogance for my own part i look upon him as utterly incorrigible and as fate has subjected me to his power endeavour to make the bitter draught go down by detaching myself as much as possible from the supposition that there is any such existence upon earth 
indeed if i had not fatal experience to the contrary i should be apt to believe that such a character is not to be found among the sons of men because his conduct is altogether unaccountable by the known rules and maxims of life and falls entirely under the poet's observation when he says tis true no meaning puzzles more than wit her ladyship having thus concluded her story to the entertainment of the company and the admiration of peregrine who expressed his astonishment at the variety of adventures she had undergone which was such as he thought sufficient to destroy the most hardy and robust constitution and therefore infinitely more than enough to overwhelm one of her delicate frame one of the gentlemen present roundly taxed her with want of candour in suppressing some circumstances of her life which he thought essential in the consideration of her character she reddened at this peremptory charge which had an evident effect upon the countenances of the whole audience when the accuser proceeded to explain his imputation by observing that in the course of her narration she had omitted to mention a thousand acts of uncommon charity of which he himself knew her to be guilty and that she had concealed a great many advantageous proposals of marriage which she might have accepted before she was engaged the company were agreeably undeceived by this explanation which her ladyship acknowledged in very polite terms as a compliment equally genteel and unexpected and our hero after having testified the sense he had of her complaisance and condescension in regaling him with a mark of her confidence and esteem took his leave and went home in a state of confusion and perplexity for from the circumstances of the tale he had heard he plainly perceived that her ladyship's heart was too delicate to receive such incense as he in the capacity of an admirer could at present pay because though he had in some measure abridged the empire of amelia in his own breast it was not in his own power to restrain it so effectually but that it would interfere with any other sovereign whom his thoughts should adopt and unless lady blank could engross his whole love time and attention he foresaw that it would be impossible for him to support the passion which he might have the good fortune to inspire he was moreover deterred from declaring his love by the fate of her former admirers who seemed to have been wound up to a degree of enthusiasm that looked more like the effect of enchantment than the inspiration of human attractions an ecstasy of passion which he durst not venture to undergo he therefore resolved to combat with the impressions he had already received and if possible cultivate her friendship without soliciting her affection but before he could fix upon this determination he desired to know the footing on which he stood in her opinion and by the intelligence of crabtree obtained in the usual manner understood that her sentiments of him were very favourable though without the least tincture of love he would have been transported with joy had her thoughts of him been of a more tender texture though his reason was better pleased with the information he received in consequence of which he mustered up the ideas of his first passion and set them in opposition to those of this new and dangerous attachment by which means he kept the balance in equilibrio and his bosom tolerably quiet End of chapter eighty one the memoirs of a lady of quality part seventeen